Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. Good morning. Happy Palm Sunday. I don't know. What's the, what's the thing you say for Palm Sunday? Just happy Palm Sunday? Is that a thing? Can we do that? Happy Palm Sunday. Yes, today marks the end of Lenten season, right? So if you were doing those Lenten uh, 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 like sacrifices or you were giving something up, this begins Holy Week, which means you're off the hook and you can have chocolate and wine again. Congratulations. For me, it's brisket. I'm just kidding, but not really. Hey, I want to let you know about a couple of things. Uh, prayer vigil is happening this week. This is really cool. Up at our Providence campus, there are people that pray over all these different things, all these different concerns that we have, and there's a box outside in the hallway where you can put a prayer concern of some sort on there, put it in the box, and people will pray over those concerns for like a complete day. It's a really beautiful thing to be a part of, and I think there are still some places that you can volunteer uh, to pray, and if you're interested in doing that, hey, about Joni, can they come to you? So Joni, wave your hand. If they're interested in going and praying and being a part of the prayer vigil, just maybe you take an hour or a section of time, uh, talk to Joni and she'll get you hooked in for that. Let me tell you about this week. Everybody say, it's Holy Week. Come on, say it like you mean it. It's Holy Week. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Thursday night, we have worship all together. All three campuses are coming together. And we're going to have worship up at the Providence campus. Ashley and I are going to play a song. Davern's going to play an ocarina. I don't even know. He's going to play something with us. And, and we're going to be up there for First Communion. So a bunch of kids that we have here that are having their First Communion, we're going to be up there. Pastor Melody's going to preach. It's going to be very, very cool, kind of a mixture of all the campuses coming together. Then on Friday, I'm really excited about this because this is the first official worship service that we're going to have out on the new land. Somebody say, yeah. 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 And this is probably the perfect thing to do. It's one of the biggest days of the Christian years we get together for Good Friday. Now, for a lot of you guys that have been a part of Good Friday worships before, they're really like somber and difficult. And so what we wanted to do is not lose the difficulty of the day, but also make it appropriate for families and kids. And so basically what we're going to do is we're going to be out there at 6, and you can kind of go through these different stations, probably take you about 30 minutes or so, and you can take the kids through if you want to come in as adults and do it. That's still, you're still going to be appropriate and fine. You'll enjoy that. And then about 6.30, we're going to order a bunch of food, and we're going to do some setup for the Easter egg hunt, which is on Saturday. Everybody got it? So 6 o'clock Friday, come, come to the stations, come do uh, the, the hanging out of the very first worship service we have on the land. Then at 6.30 or so, when everybody's done, we'll get some pizzas and start setting up things for uh, the Easter egg hunt, which is the next day. So speaking of which, there's a massive Easter egg hunt that happens this Saturday. It's like the biggest thing that we do. The, uh, the, the shares and stuff of that event are already outpacing the last time we did this. And last time we did this, 3,000 people showed up. So Lord knows what is going to end up happening. But we're really excited because we've got more space this time. So Easter egg hunt is on Saturday. So Thursday night, there's worship. Friday night at the New Land at 6 o'clock, there's worship and then some setup for Easter Egg Hunt afterwards. Then Easter Egg Hunt Day is from 2 to 4. If you're a volunteer, what time do you get there? 12. Everybody say 12. 12. All right, fantastic. Then Easter morning is going to be incredible. We've got breakfast we're going to serve. It's going to be fantastic. Everybody say, woo, it's Holy Week. Woo. Today, does anybody know what today is called in the church? We just said it a second ago. Palm Sunday. And today is all about expectations. 
Today is all about expectations. In my former career, before I went into ministry, I worked for a recruiting firm, and I had a, a partner of mine who was amazing at sales. I mean, he was so incredibly good at it. And I kind of asked him, like, what's the real deal? Like, how do you do what you do so well? And he said, you have to remember to help people manage their expectations, all right? So you always, always, always under-promise and then over-deliver. Under-promise and over-deliver. And it helped me to be really successful in that industry before going into pastoral ministry. Expectation. I remember when I was a little kid, I forgot to feed my dog. Everybody say, oh. I was a little kid, leave me alone. I forgot to feed my dog. And my mom came home and she was like, did you feed the dog? And I'm like, uh, no. She was like, do you want to eat dinner? I'm like, uh, yes. She was like, well, maybe you should have thought about that before you eat. And she starts lighting into me like nobody else. I'm like, I'm just getting torn to shreds for not feeding the dog. And she just letting me have it. And right in the middle of it, the phone rings. All right, and this is back to children when phones were on the wall. I know, it's weird. And the phone was there, and the phone started ringing. And so I thought to myself, I'm like, oh, she's going to light them up too, man. I, hope, I just hope it's a telemarketer. Somebody trying to sell it something, she's going to have them for lunch. She's in that like zone. She's just letting me have it. And she picks up the phone. She goes, hello? <laughs> oh, hi, John. How are you guys? That's so great to hear. Yes, we've missed you. And she's going on, and I'm thinking, sweet. Everything's good. Like, she's back in a good mood. There's nothing to worry about. And guess what? She hangs up the phone, and I'm like, everything in... And I want to tell you something else. She went right back to it. I had all these expectations that she was going to be cool, and she wasn't. Expectations. What do we expect in life? What about when they don't work out like they, we thought they would? I had this childhood friend who always told me, she said, I'm going to be an astronaut. When we were little kids, she said, I'm going to be an astronaut. She had a plan. Like, everything about her was, I'm going to be an astronaut. She had a plan to go into the Air Force, to get flight school stuff done. She was going to even start trying to figure out how to fly in high school so she could get all those pieces and parts put together. She had everything all planned out, exactly what she was going to do. She's going to do it. And she's the kind of person, too, that, like, nothing stops her. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you met those people that, like, just have a, just have a, a line, and you know that if you hang with them, you're going to see it happen. Well, we lost connection for probably about 25 years, and through the magic of the Internet and Facebook, we somehow got reconnected. And we started catching up a little bit just to see how life was going. I hadn't talked to her in ages, and she was my best little friend growing up. And we're talking through life, and I'm so happy for her. Everything's going well. I'm telling her about our family and learning about her family. And, and I kind of jokingly said, so, no astronaut? <laughs> and she said, no, Matt. It wasn't in God's plan for me and laughed. And I thought, all right, is she like, is she just like, is she really in a good place about this? Or is she like, like, like is this like the... Um, like when you just had that thing you thought was going to happen and it all falls apart and all you can do is laugh. Anybody been there? At some point, the picture of her expectations and the picture of her life stopped lining up. The picture of her expectations and the picture of her life stopped lining up. Expectations. You guys know the story of Daniel in the lion's den? Raise your hand if you know that story. Say, yep. 
awesome story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's just a really, really cool story. It's a great story. I, I think it's helpful if we just sort of talk through a little bit about like what's going on before that, right? So, so Daniel, the story of Daniel in the lion's den, he gets thrown into the lion's den, but he got, got thrown into the lion's den because he was praying, right? And the backstory behind that is that Daniel was working for the king, and everything was great. And he was one of those guys that like did everything right. I mean, like he handled his business on a daily basis. And all the other people that worked off the, on along with the king got jealous of Daniel and got really irritated by him. And so they were trying to figure out a way to mess him up. But the thing was, Daniel didn't make mistakes. Daniel was a good guy. Daniel stood by his promises, stood by his word. He did what he said he was going to do. So it was hard for them to figure out a way to mess him up. Except they knew that he loved God. So they went to the king and said, King, nobody in the land should be praying to any other king, any other god, but you, right? And the king said, Why, of course, I am the king. No one should pray to anyone but me. And so they had him put it into a law, right? Then they knew that Daniel was a faithful man. So they went to his house, and just like he did three times a day, every day, he stood at his window, knelt down, and prayed to God. And they caught him in the act. So they brought him before the king. Now, what choice does the king have, right? But to punish him in some way. And they said, the punishment for this is death. You must throw him in to the lion's den. And so that's where we are in this story. We're going to read Daniel chapter 6, verse 16 through 23. Daniel chapter 6. So the king gave the order. And they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel... May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. Now, before I go any further, I want you to keep this in mind as we go throughout this week. Some of the parallels in this story. Stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. This is what a good king would do. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment, which this, being a king must have been awesome. <laughs> Every night you get eating and entertainment and being brought to him and he couldn't sleep, tossing and turning his feet. At first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God. Look how he titles him. He doesn't say, servant of me, the king. The king is starting to move. Things are starting to change. Servant of the living God. Has your God, whom you continually serve, been able to rescue you from the lions? And that pause, while he waited, must have been terrible. Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel. And he shut the mouths of the lions. They've not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. It's a great story. 
being thrown down into the pit. And it raises our question about expectations. Every time I read this story, I think of those nature shows in my head, and all I can hear is uh, the voice of, like, David Attenborough. Do you know what I'm talking about? The English guy that he does, like, all of the nature things. The lions approach their prey. Ready, hungry, set to strike. I just hear this. At some point, I'm thinking Daniel's picture of the expectations of what his life was going to be like. And the picture of his life stopped lining up, didn't it? His situation had to have been terrifying. And it's an easy story for us to relate to. Right? I mean, we think about lion's dens all over the place in our own lives. The places where we get tossed into, where we thought our life and our expectation was going this way, only to find that the picture of our life and our expectations of what it was supposed to look like stopped lining up. And here we are in the lion's den. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's school. Maybe it's your home, your marriage. Or maybe it's just when you look in the mirror, you feel like you're in the lion's den. I mean, even the king expected that Daniel would die, hoping all night that he wouldn't. I read his words as he threw him in there. May your God save you. You could read that like real sarcastically, right? Oh, Daniel, may your God save you because those lions is hungry. But I don't think he was doing that. It says he stayed up all night worrying, hoping, maybe praying. God saved him. He, too, wanted to know that Daniel's God was real. Remember how he addressed him right after he went down there and went to the tomb? He said, Daniel, say it with me, servant of the living God. Say that, servant of the living God. He wanted to understand who God really was. For all of us at some point, the picture of our expectations and the picture of our life stopped lining up. Say amen if you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you can name it. The lion's den in your life. Maybe you can point to the very moment that you fell in. Maybe you could point to the one who threw you there. Daniel's story, brothers and sisters, it's our story. But if we read it too fast, we might have missed the best part of the whole thing. Now let's just do a little bit of logic here, okay? Hungry lions in a pit. Lions, uh, anybody have cats? Anybody have cats? They're, they're like freaking weird, right? I mean, they do like weird stuff. And anytime they get like backed into a corner, any animal, what's their tendency, right? Lash out, right? They, 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 to, to, to go a little bit crazy. So now you put lions hungry in a pit in the dark and you tossed in something that is clearly food, all right? Let's just do a little bit of logic here. The lions aren't just going to hang out and chat with Daniel for a while. I mean, truth be told, they would have pounced on him immediately. So what that means is that if the angel was sent to shut the mouths of the lions, that before Daniel was in the lion's den, the angel was there already. If the angel hadn't already arrived, Daniel would have been dead. The angel got there before Daniel was even in the pit. And we know this to be true because later on it says that the bad guys, the ones that arranged all this mess to throw him into the pit, 
It says before they hit the ground, the lions consumed them. The angel arrived in the lion's den before Daniel ever did. Daniel's story is a story to help us to see the picture of our situation differently. Because the lion's den wasn't just a monumental moment for Daniel. It was even the king who was overjoyed. And that moment changed everything for that king. Later on in the chapter, the king says this, For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. That's the king who said no other king should be prayed to but him who is confessing God as the living God. Somebody shout amen. Now see what Daniel must have thought was assured death, right? It's a story for others to read. His story then becomes our story so that we can have calm when the lions surround us. So that we can see that God is already at work even in the lion's den. And I'm going to say something. If you fell asleep on the sermon thus far, I don't know how you did because I'm loud and obnoxious. But if you fell asleep on the sermon before, listen to this part, brothers and sisters. God didn't lead you to it to not lead you through it. God didn't lead you to it not lead you through it. Daniel probably wanted God to repurpose my picture. Lord, this is what I see. I don't like where it's going. I want you to fix this as it is. Line your will up with my expectations. I don't like where it's going. I don't like what I'm seeing. Change my circumstance. Bend it to my will. Lord, I don't want to be eaten. Can you come up with a new picture for me? Can you change my course? Can you keep me from being tossed in? But instead, the story brought the whole kingdom into relationship with God through Daniel and the lion's den. The whole kingdom, it says, for years to come, served the living God because Daniel got thrown into the lion's den. Today is Palm Sunday. Happy Palm Sunday. That's good. We're getting better at it. <laughs> and it's all about expectation. Read a story in Mark together. This is, uh, this is from Mark chapter 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany, the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever written, written. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it and send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside the street, tied to a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered, as Jesus had told them, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches that they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, say it together, that word. Hosanna. Keep going. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. It's helpful whenever we do this, and I do this little part every year where I just give a little bit of a history lesson. Do you guys remember this from last year? I'm sure all of you do, word for word. Amen. Just say amen. 
where when Caesar would go and conquer, right, when he would go and conquer a land, he would come back into town riding on a giant mighty steed, triumphant, right, with the crown of Jupiter on his head and something probably in his arm, and all of the people that he had captured would be following behind. And as he entered the city, they would be waving their palms in there. Abby, wave your palms in there. You got a palm right there? Wave your palm real quick. Yeah, you're part of the sermon now. So they're waving their palms in the air, and they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. They're saying all these kind of exact same things. Thank you. For Caesar, as Caesar walks in, and Caesar would come right into the middle of the courts, just as he was with all of his armies and all of his POWs, and he would look at some of them, and some of them he would just put to death on sight, right? Just right away, just to continue to show his power. I give to you the lives of these 30 people, and he would kill them on the spot. Then he would go forth and they would have a bull slaughtered on the altar. He would be offered wine and he would refuse it as a sign that he was king and needed nothing else. And all the people would shout and they would cheer at the incredible nature of who this was. And he would bring to them a Greek word. It was called euangelion. Say that. Euangelion. Say it one more time. Euangelion. Which means, does anybody know what that word means? Gospel. It means the gospel. That came from the mouth of Caesar. I bring to you the euangelion. I bring to you the gospel. This is what it means to be king here. I bring all of this conquering to you. And when Jesus comes into town, it's almost a complete flip-flop of what Caesar would do. Instead of coming in on a mighty steed, he comes in on a donkey, a servant animal, not some mighty horse of war. As he comes in, the people shout those same things, throw their cloaks on the ground, wave their palm branches, and say, Hosanna to the king of kings. And right after this, it says he goes into the courts. He arrived there, and there was nobody there. The king of kings arrives, and nobody was even there. And so instead of doing all of this other stuff, Jesus just retires to a home with his 12 disciples. Jesus' mockery of Caesar's entry is incredible. Think about this. Jesus went into a lot of cities already, right? And every time he went into the cities, he wasn't necessarily on a colt. He just walked into those cities, right? And he would arrive, and sometimes there was people there, sometimes there weren't people there. He entered every other time differently. Why is it that Jesus enters into the city like this, this day, this time? And I'll tell you why. Jesus wanted to manage their expectations. He wanted them to understand what he was ultimately there to do. He wasn't coming to fight and destroy the Romans. He wasn't coming to lay waste to people in the streets. He wasn't coming to be victorious in the way that they expected him to be victorious. Jesus wanted them to understand a new kind of kingship. So much so that he was trying to help them understand that the picture of their expectations and the picture of the life that he was about to give weren't going to line up but he was absolutely, most certainly, the king of all kings. And we all know what happens this week, amen? The people turned on him quick. Oh, they turned on him quick. Those same people that were Hosanna, king of kings, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, who brings the gospel, they turned quick. They expected a king to come in, but not like this. They wanted him to come and overthrow the Romans. 
They wanted to return the Jewish people to power. They hoped that he would be the one. That's what they wanted the Messiah to do. They wanted Jesus to repurpose the picture that they were seeing. We don't like what we're seeing, Jesus. Jesus, where are your armies? We want you to be the king we want you to be. But Jesus wanted them to repicture the purpose. He wanted them to see what was surrounding them differently. To repicture the purpose of what he was there to do. See, we want God to line up with our expectations. God, bend your will to my will. Make these things happen that I want to have happen. And make that be your will, God. I'm standing in the lion's den here. But God is already at work. Even in the lion's den. Before we even got thrown into it. God's trying to help you repicture the purpose, brothers and sisters. God is changing how we see what's happening in our lives. But God, but God, if you had only done this, if you had only given me that great job, then everything would be just fine. God, if you had only just given me that one raise and not given it to Brian, who is worthless and is mean to everybody in the office, but he gets the promotion. If God, if you had only given me that promotion, then everything would be working out great. God, if you had only fixed my marriage. God, if you had only made it easier for me in school, then everything else would be where it needs to be. I'd be in the college that I want. God, if you had only not made me sick, then I could do all these other things. I don't like what I'm seeing, Lord. Repurpose this picture. My expectations aren't being met. But God's saying this. I want to repicture the purpose in your life. I want you to see that I'm already doing a new thing. I didn't lead you to it to not lead you through it. And once you're through it, then your story is going to become their story. You're going to be able to tell how I got you through this thing, this lion's den. And then generations will be converted to know that I am the living that I love them no matter who they are, no matter what they say or do, how much money they have or don't have, no matter who they love, no matter who God created you to be, I love you. You can't see it right now, but I'm going to bring others into relationship with me through you, through your story, through this lion's den. I won't leave you in the lion's den and not protect you. I've already sent angels to shut their mouths because they don't get to have you. You're mine, and there's nothing that the world can do about it. So therefore, see what I am doing. Not what you expect the lions to do. See how I am at work in this. How I am changing you, holding you, protecting you. And when you're staring at death in the face, look and see what I'm going to do a week from today. Somebody say amen. 
Can I preach this morning? On Easter morning, that lion's den where the stone was rolled in front, that stone is rolled away. And no longer does death have any power. No longer does sin have any word in our lives. No longer do we see that as the end of a story, but a chapter because we know one day God will make all things new. Look and see what I'm going to do when the tomb is empty, when life is restored, death loses forever, and love and life win. Let that, brothers and sisters, let that be your new expectations. All of God's children said amen. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks. Because <laughs> you're in the lion's den before we ever were. And Lord, you know there is hurt in this room. You know there is loss and grief in this room. Lord, you know there's a desire for direction in this room. Lord, you know that there is weeping in this room. You know that there are broken hearts in this room. You, Lord, know that there are loss of expectations. The picture of my expectations, God, is not meeting up with the picture of where my life is. So, Lord, help us to repicture the purpose. Help us to see, God, where you're going to make a new thing. Help us to see, God, that you're already there. Because the lions can't have us. They might scare us. It might look intimidating. But Lord, you've given us the ability to stare them in the face and say, you can't have me for I am the Lord's. And the Lord is going to make a new story in this lion's den. So God, give us that energy, that passion. As we walk this week with you to the cross and to the tomb, remind us, oh God, the lions don't win. Death does not win. That loss doesn't win. That failure doesn't win. That divorce doesn't win. That anxiety, that depression, that sickness don't win. And help us to repicture our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's children say. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.